imagine your trip to work. Is there a piece of art that you pass by? If you're lucky, I hope so. And have you ever stopped to admire that piece? What comes to mind? Do you notice the intricacies of each shape, maybe shade and color? What are you feeling as you look at it? Mei Lin is a Chinese-born illustrator located in Pullman. She creates physical and digital art for the public to enjoy. In this episode of Traverse Talks, Mei and I discuss unpaid labor in the art world, the complicated relationship Mei has with her grandfather, and the fear of living as a minority in America. I'm Sue Ann Ramella. GMA. Yeah. GMA Lin? Yeah, GMA Lin. GMA Lin. But you can call me May. But isn't that annoying being mm-hmm. in the America in America and you yeah, have to In fact it's my parents call me May too. They call you May too. Okay. So GMA sounds really formal to me and I, I grew up in an environment like everyone just tried to be casual. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to college and people started calling me GMA and I would be like, Who is GMA? <laughs> It's too formal. Yeah. Let's talk about your art. You have this amazing mural in Spokane for Black Lives Matter. Right. Bold type, great colors that really pop. And inside each letter is a scene. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with this concept? So I, I actually only did one letter. So that that project is super cool. They had a 16 artists. Like, they are all, like, you know, people of color. And then we all get together to paint this mural, and I got the force of tea. Ooh, nice. Yeah, so... So it was a collaborative. Yes. So my uh, concept for that mural was um, flowers from Africa. Mm. But then they brought them here for the American gardens. They did. Yeah, so, so like, uh, for example, like African poppy that's, like, really popular here. And then for some gardens, they were weeds. Right. And for some gardens, they were flowers. And I, I just, like, intentionally picked flowers like that and put on the mural. Isn't that interesting that some plants to some people or some areas are weeds uh-huh. versus their ornamental beautiful flowers yeah uh, yeah like a dandelion mm. like a dandelion is a kind of medicine in china yep and uh, like for all the kids that's like the way to make a wish like it's so dreamy and then for the older generation that's the food that's Chinese medicine. This is so interesting, May, because I have found many Western gardeners will try to poison the medicine that could actually save their digestion. Yes. <laughs> my, my mom tried to uh, harvest dandelion in our garden, and then she tried to make the tea, and the Turns out she didn't know how because mm. in China she just buy them from store and they were already processed. Mm-hmm. So she didn't <laughs> process. So whatever she made was really weird. It was probably very bitter. Yeah. So back to the tea, you put flowers in there from Africa. Mm-hmm. And then I read that in this area they held a COVID uh, vaccine party. What? Uh, okay, so after it was done, uh-huh. uh, the Black Lens community, that's uh-huh. a newspaper, they held a vaccination clinic, quote, party where uh-huh. people came to go get vaccinated by the mural. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. That's so awesome. I'm glad you think so because your artwork, your tea, uh-huh. 
was looking down upon the people Aww. as they were together, right? Trying to solve more issues together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just so great. I, I feel like, well, there are a lot of ways for community to get together. Like as an artist, my the thing I'm good at the most is just sharing my creativity to people in the form like medical workers. That's their contribution, and that's a, that's a huge. That's great. They, oh. they are amazing. Oh, I'm so, that's so nice of you to say. Yeah, they've been really busy working. But I know. I feel artists have been, too, on an emotional level, trying to express something for mm-hmm. the people to meditate on and feel better or at least, I don't know, explore some hidden things inside. Yeah, I, I guess. Or just, uh, I think uh, um, the, for like a public art, that's something everyone can see and it's free. Right, it's huge, and uh, everyone owns that piece of art. You know, when you see a piece of art, you are part of it because you project yourself on it, and you become part of the work. That's why I like to make public art because I feel it's very inclusive. Oh, that's beautiful. I guess I never really thought about my involvement in being with that public art piece, and now I will. Well, that's um, so. <laughs> this is so funny, but a lot of people ask me, "Oh, um, so I went to the museum. I just feel so bad because I cannot understand the art." And I thought, you know, maybe that's just uh, how you feel about it. I'm confused. I feel confused. I can't understand, and that's how you feel about it, and you're part of it, to feel oh. confused about it. Or sometimes people feel like, oh, my God, it's so disorganized. I feel so discomfortable when I see this painting. That's part of it. Yeah, that's part of it. Oh, this is interesting because I, I almost wonder if the general public has not really been educated on how to experience art, that it is okay to have all these different feelings. Mm, I feel it's so easy for people to feel music. Mm. Like when you listen to a piece of music, when you listen to a song and you just immediately feel, oh, I feel sad and I feel so connected with the lyrics. You actually, you are doing the same thing to the arts, but it's just so hard to describe it. Mm. I I guess because um, music maybe like it's more natural to us. I I don't know. But I I think they are the same feeling. For me, it's just a lack of training. I have not been exposed to many art pieces. For you, though, when you make these large public murals, uh-huh. do you have an intent for a feeling you want people to, f- to have? Um, so it depends. Like, for example, if uh, I did the Black Lives Matter mural in Pullman. Oh, so that piece, uh, it says, end racism now. So that's very direct message. But like for like a more abstract pieces like the I did one in another one in downtown with all these little cubes yes uh, so that one just uh, you can feel whatever you want because I what I did I just tried to play with the space play with the architecture of the the hotel building and uh, and see what I can do see if I can create more space and more elements well, I think you definitely succeeded in creating space because when I look at that piece, which has a, a 
yellows and blues and yeah. orange and the um, squares and other shapes in there. Some mm-hmm. pop out and some look like they recess. It makes me want to feel active. Oh, that's great. Like jump in and ride, participate in this. This is so interesting because I used to walk by that building and I always thought, you know what, I really want to do like a weird art project with all these like little squares on top. And then the hotel found me, I was like, oh, I have this idea. You made it come true. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, then I send the design to them and they really like it. So I feel so lucky. Okay, so as an artist who does large murals, how do you get your work? I mean, that sounds serendipitous. But oh, how do I get my work? Yeah, do people call you and then you say, yeah. that's going to be $5,000? Yeah, that, that's ex- actually, that's exactly what I do. But um, so at the beginning, like, a, so if you're a young artist and just want, just started and you want to do mural, and the best way to do it is you make a lot of work, just like a on computer and then you find the different buildings and take photo and make mock-ups on Photoshop oh. and then you uh, then you can either post on social media or uh, you can find the building just say hey can I paint this yeah well you know speaking about art may your staff member you do graphic design at WSU's College of Education mm-hmm. so I have a question about tech stuff because I notice that your artwork is uh, I mean, you do computer, you do all kinds of things. So mm-hmm. in a rapidly changing digital landscape, mm-hmm. do you think we'll start to find less physical artwork and more things in the virtual world? Well, okay, so here's the answer, my answer. I don't think the physical stuff will ever be gone because that's uh, just like uh, making music. That's just part of us being human being. And uh um, there will always be people truly appreciate doing things with your hand. But mm. on another hand, even though doing things on media feel like you, um, like a digital media feel like you are not working with your hand, but it's very handy too. Mm. <laughs> mm. Like it's just different tools, you know. Like a, uh, let's say, like Andy Warhol. So his concept, pretty much, he's he's thinking of, okay, so we are going to live in a world that the image will be copied and pasted nonstop and put on different things, right? He's definitely, he predicted this world we are living in right now, but that time the technology for him was printmaking, like like a silk screen. So what he could do was just keep copying and pasting things on the printmaking. Well, his stuff now is copy and paste on, you know, on, on social media like all the time. And that was part of his intention as well, right? Yeah. So my point is it's all tools. Like a brush is a tool. Mm. Photoshop is a tool. But the real question is how we display art or like how we share art with each other. I feel like now it's so tricky because all the artists feel pressure they have to be on social media mm. and keep posting their work and keep promoting themselves and I feel like every artist is forced to be a marketing person now in a weird way and then we're all doing like a free label for Facebook Instagram May. and I feel they're so evil <laughs> and I feel so bad, but then I also feel like I don't have another way to show your work. Yeah, so I feel 
It's very complicated. <laughs> you are an indentured a bit to the social media in order to showcase your work. Yeah. And then I'm curious, does that make you not want to put in that energy? I always assume that an artist gets a, a feeling or a muse mm -hmm. or some inspiration and you create out of this feeling, but then the thought of having to put in the marketing work to promote your mm -hmm. art could suck away from that intent. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, I would say, like, if I was 15, and uh, if I if I live in this like this time as a 15 year old and 15 year old me, I think I would be very into Instagram and like very into social media because that time I had so much passion and desire just showing my work. I was like posting terrible drawings on MySpace that time. <laughs> Right. And, and so, yeah, so like uh, I feel like because I was so young and I had so much desire to display my, my work and to show myself, um, that was OK. But also I heard so much terrible things, so much terrible influence that f Instagram put on teenagers. <laughs> oh, you've heard about the studies. Yeah, right. So, yeah. But for now, uh, because I just couldn't stop thinking about this idea of like uh, it's we're doing free label to those e social media company by showing my work on it, but like for a digital media artist for a illustrator, I feel like that's truly one of the best way to put myself out there. It's it's quick and easy. It's quick and easy. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it's free, but it's definitely not free. And I just try my best to keep this balance to make myself don't feel like I'm working for Instagram. Mm. At nwpb.org, you can find Northwest news, classical music, jazz, and art and culture stories. There's much to explore on Northwest Public Broadcasting's website, nwpb.org. Can you tell us the story about your grandfather mm -hmm. and the significance of indigo? So my grandfather, he just passed away, actually. Oh, sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. How old was he? Like 101. Sweet. <laughs> right? That's incredible. I know. So my grandfather is, so now I think, when I think of him, he was like a very complicated person to me. When I was young, um, I think he was probably the first artist I have ever met. But at that time, I, I didn't have the language. I didn't know what he did was art. So I would find all these like little pieces of paper in the bathroom and every corner of his house and there were like poem written on it. Oh. And pretty much he just like walking around and then he had this idea and he wrote it down and he just put the poem over there like right on the table or like on top of the toilet paper, paper holder. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's just super random and for some reason I picked up that skill so I started making like a little drawings everywhere in the house as well so you can find like a, the side of the newspaper there will be a little drawing there here and there. This sounds delightful. Yes it is it is it's, it's very interesting and I would always appreciate that 
I would always appreciate that influence he given to me, which is a feel, like when you feel like to make something, make something, you know. Do it. Do it. Yeah. It can be very small. Like nobody will read it. It's fine. I want to know though. Do you remember what the poems were or what the, they? Uh, so I'm so sorry I can't because they were <laughs> all like a. You know, they were written in this form of like a poem from Song Dynasty, and I really, I'm not very good at classic Chinese. Okay, so it's reading classic Chinese. <laughs> yeah, but usually it's like a poem about like something happened to him, but then he was written in this special form. And May, your grandfather, when you say something happened to him, I mean, he was a part of what, the Chinese Revolution, or he was a protester. Well,、uh, so he went to college in. 40s, and that was World World War II. So he had to travel all the way to like Chongqing. Chongqing was the temporary capital of China at that time because we lost Nanjing to Japanese. So he was like super radical because he was born in this very very old-fashioned family, and like he feel like oh I. I hate my whole life. I hate my super traditional dad. So、uh, he started publishing a lot of writing, like very, very critical and very, very radical writing on the newspaper, and that definitely got him into trouble at the beginning of、uh, People's Republic of China because that time uh, the uh, the government was like very sensitive about the, the message. So he, him, and he's.、Uh, Brother, his younger brother. They were both very, very smart and very radical, and they were writing stuff and publish on the newspaper and having like a big argument with people on newspaper, I guess. And they 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 got into trouble, and、uh, so they had to like change their names. So my. Grandfather picked his name. His name's Lin Qing, and Qing means indigo, and、uh, he's. Little brother is Bai Lin Bai, and Bai means white. So there's a, a phrase in China: "This indigo and white,、uh, nothing to hide." So they want to tell people that they are completely honest; they have nothing to hide. Wow! Thank you for sharing that story about your grandfather in indigo. Your artwork has you have quite a few pieces that do indigo and white. Right? Is it directly related to your? Uh, yes, uh, because I feel like he probably was one of very first person taught me what feminism was. Well, my grandmother was like a working mother, and my grandfather lost his job because he got himself in trouble. So he was like stay home dad for a long time, and he also felt very conflict about that、mm. identity. He felt bad for himself.、Um, In Chinese, we have this phrase like、uh, you, you call like a man depends on women's job. They they call people like that eat soft rice. Means, soft rice. Soft rice, right? And then so like he's like a soft rice for years, and he feels bad. And then,、um, but at the same time, he keep telling me, "Hey, like your grandmother was."、Uh, Amazing! Like she was so strong and so independent, and she worked so hard for everyone. And you should be like that. Like、oh. every woman should be like that. May that's beautiful. Yeah, and he was like my grandpa was rode his tricycle. He has this like trike, and with like a little, I don't know, it's a basket in the back. 
it's so illegal. So he he passed away. So don't don't arrest him. <laughs> but he put me in that little basket, and he was like rolled me everywhere. And that was the time he gave me those lessons, oh. like. If you like writing, you need to write poems because that's the best way to write, like stuff like that. And also, he he told me that oh, you know, I I given you a generation name, and not every girl has it because people don't believe girls belong to the family because they will be married to someone else. Yeah,、right? let's talk about that for our listener because in Chinese culture. Generational names. You have your. You have. Yeah, some、Lin. some some old old、um, family. They do that. Like they have these generation names. Usually, it's in the middle of the name. For example, my name is Lin Jie. Mei Lin is my family name, and Jie is my generation name. And Mei is just like kind of like a given name. Your given name, yeah. And it is unusual because women were not given this generational right, name. Right. Because I I suppose to be a hedges. Because I will be married to this hedges guy, right? But、mm. uh, but my grandfather he told me you will always be Lin, you will always be in this family, and I get we giving you this name,、um, and 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 he said, oh, you are always your own person, right? That's amazing. But when I grow up, I just couldn't. That bothered me so much. It's like why he taught me all this, and why my very cool, independent, strong grandmother never said anything about like how amazing she was, and how what a kind of a strong woman I should be. You know, my grandmother, we we were very close too, and I just feel like she never got the chance to tell me her story. And why do you think that is? I I think like because my grandpa was this artist of the family, and then he just turned into this storyteller, and my grandmother just felt like okay, let him tell the story.、Mm. But at the same time, I think probably he gave her a lot of pressure to not speak because he even he's actually did come from old culture. So a bit of patriarchy still within him. Yeah. So he's pushing you to be independent, and but at the same time, he also he would also like it. I remember when I just got married, and he would he wrote me this super long letter about like,、um, it's terrible you married to someone who's not from your culture, and and then like if you got into trouble, nobody will help you because everyone will be American around you. They will never understand you. Like he wrote me a letter like that. Complicated person. Yes, because in some areas he seems progressive, and,、mm-hmm. it's, and in other areas he seems old-fashioned and difficult. But yeah, but isn't that isn't that the case with everybody? Yes, that's exactly the reason why I made all this artwork for him because I feel like the way he feel about me, I feel like he projected a lot of himself on me when I was young. And he wanted me to be this person. He probably felt like he couldn't be, but then when I actually started doing certain things, he realized, oh no, she's my little granddaughter. Like, how could I just put her to a world like this? So a protection. Yeah. I often think about that with our loved ones. Is、mm-hmm. even though it seems really hurtful what they're saying or doing. Yeah. I want to believe it comes from a place of love. Yeah. That they don't know how to break through some of these barriers. Yeah. Also, his idea about world probably is very not updated. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Wow. And how has that influenced you and your parents? You know, because I feel like uh, our Mm -hmm. relatives and ancestors, the things that they choose to do have an impact on you in the modern day. Yeah. So my grandfather was like a pretty... He was a very weird old person, I would say. Like, uh, he would tell me all these terrible stories happened to him, and uh, I feel like he should never tell stories like that Ooh. to a little kid. You were little. Yeah, like uh, like uh, the terrible things happened to him. Like, they burned all his books and stuff like that. And I was, like, so traumatized. Oh, oh. my God. Don't burn my book, right? And then... At the same time, sometimes I will ask him like really sharp questions, like if I watch a news and uh, I would have all these questions about like, uh, so that time I just started learning the the Marxism, the philosophy, and then the goal of Marxism is everyone like uh, living a you know, communist world and harmony and working together, motivated, right? And then, but at the same time, like on the news, there were just so much like negative things about like other countries and like uh, intentionally, you know, like of course, like Americans are so evil, right? And I would ask my grandpa, so if our goal is to live in a world everyone loves each other, like why do we have to hate like Americans or like, and the, my grandpa, it's super hard question to answer. My dad was completely shocked. He was like, oh, I don't know what to say. And then my grandpa would say, oh, good girl. Keep thinking this way. You can do it. Wow. <laughs> so I was like encouraged to, I, I now I know it's critical thinking. I didn't have language for it, but mm. I realized, oh, what you taught me was critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That it was okay to not align and to question. Mm-hmm. I find this, uh, though, very interesting that your grandfather was a radical thinker in a culture that was pretty much don't question authority. Yes. And he encouraged you. So was your dad or your mom this way as well? Um, I would say yes and no. It's like, a, for example, if I ask a question like that, my dad will be like, wow. You are so smart, but I don't know what to say. So I decide not to talk about it. But I'm so proud of you by asking this question, but I really don't have answers. So maybe you will figure it out. Mm. And then how do you then raise your kid? Mm -hmm. Like if they ask these questions or they have critical thinking about the way you live or Mm. your thoughts... I mean, I went to grad school in fine arts. I can answer anything weird. <laughs> My husband is even better. So just try, try us. <laughs> Love it. Hey, I'm Ash, a producer for Traverse Talks with Sue Ann Ramilla. If you like the show, we would love to hear from you. Leave a rating and review wherever you listen. Thank you. And May, your husband is a white guy, American? Yeah, he is. He's white. So you are raising a, a, a HAPA. HAPA, yeah. What has that experience been like for you? Um, oh, that's an interesting question. So in a interracial marriage, I think the most question you will get from both of your culture will be, 
oh, how do you feel like to、um, live or marry to someone who who's so different as you? But the fact is, my husband is a, a artist. We met in art school, and、uh, he was super weird. I was super weird. We never felt that we fit in ever. And then, if you brought like a person from his hometown, he's from Trenton, Ohio. Let's say you randomly pick a girl from Trenton, Ohio. Maybe I don't think he has so much common. With this girl, and you randomly pick a a guy from Hangzhou,、uh, China. Well, you know the the fact is we're very similar people, but yes, we do do not look alike because apparently I'm Chinese, he's a, a British American, right? But we are actually very similar people. So、uh, this is super funny. I feel the same way about my son. Like he. He's his own person.、Um, yes, he's half Caucasian, half Asian,、um, but then he look like himself too. Like he can be anyone. He got super tan during summer, and he could be someone could mistaken. Actually, someone did mistaking him as like a Hispanic kid.、They're、totally cool, and he could be he could be anyone. He could just be Linus, the race <laughs> of future. <laughs> Exactly right. Blending is interesting as a mixed race person,、mm-hmm. but sometimes it also comes with these confusions because you may not quite fit. Like you didn't feel like you quite fit, and then now we have, you know, am I white? Am I Chinese? What does it mean to be、mm-hmm. American? Yeah. These conversations I find so fascinating because there's there hasn't been, and I don't think there ever will be,、yeah. an answer. Yeah, but I I also feel like that a lot of、um, like immigrants,、uh, they feel the same way too. I'm sure like your mom probably has the same question. I don't know if she talked that. May, you. thank you for bringing up my mother. It kind of is a theme with these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> This Traverse Talks podcast is like personal therapy for me when I talk about my mother. <laughs> I honestly just recently had this conversation with her where it dawned on me that. She has lived in this country so long, and been away from Korea, and、uh, Korea has changed rapidly. Right. Like even their language, you know, the the more modern Korean、uh-huh. words. She's still using words that came from when they were occupied by Japan. Oh. And the food she loved growing up with、mm-hmm. was essentially third world poor people food, that they don't eat anymore. So she no longer. Really fits in there in、mm-hmm. Korea, yeah, and she doesn't fit in here either, one hundred percent. So、yeah. she's in this this world. So I identified with her on another level growing up as being a half American, half Asian. That my mother is now also in her way, yeah, half, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I think actually for like immigrants, that kind of.、Um, Conflict is even stronger because, like for me, I feel bad sometimes if I feel so fitting here. You know what I mean? Like for example, I'm eating like a cheeseburger, I feel like it's so good, and at the same time, I just feel guilty. Oh my god! That's fascinating. <laughs> you feel guilty for feeling like you belong, or you enjoy?、Uh, like both. It's like a.、Um, it's like wow. Like you are embracing this. Like a. This super American thing, but at the same time, you know, 
it's totally cool because I did grow up eating cheeseburger, <laughs> right? But at the same time, I feel like, oh, but why are you enjoying so much? <laughs> that little voice in your head. Yeah. You know, I feel as if so many of us have this critic living in our mm-hmm. brains that is always giving us a hard fucking time. <laughs> I know. And, and at the same time, I, I, I always not criticize myself, but like uh, have this awareness, like uh, you cannot um, value people from different backgrounds in the same way because they grew up in different philosophy. But like it's so hard for me to keep that in my mind because I just can't help to think like, oh, the the way I like the best is the, the best. For example, like critical thinking, that's like, oh, I, I feel it's so important for me to think critically in this like a very special method, right? And then if you don't do that, then it will be like, why are you not think? But, mm. you know, you don't have to. Everyone can live the way they want. But it's just so hard for me. So you're acknowledging the little bias voice you have. Uh-huh, yeah. It's uncomfortable sometimes. It's super uncomfortable. <laughs> I really appreciate your honesty about it because I have these things too and I have to check. Mm-hmm. And, and in some areas, I'll be on, you know, working in medias, mm-hmm. sometimes it is very risky mm-hmm. to admit that you have these thoughts. Yeah. Because not everybody will allow you to uh, learn. Mm-hmm. Or accept that you made a mistake or that you are in the process of evolving your thinking. Right. That's why we all need therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, sister. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I have some political questions for you. Okay. Because I feel like artists are often tapping into our emotions, but also challenging some of our thought processes in politics. So you, as a woman of Asian descent, did you ever feel threatened during the pandemic because of the hate towards Asians? Uh, So I never, like, had anything really like aggressive happened to me personally I feel very lucky like nobody ever told me to go back to China Mm. if they said that to me that's fine because I am from China (laughs) (laughs) I feel bad okay I feel so bad for all the Korean Americans Japanese Americans that they have to go back to China They can go to my mom's house. I feel so bad for them. <laughs> so um, I was, the first time I feel like, oh, I feel so scared and threatened was the, the mass shooting. Um, because before, like, I saw all this news about mass shooting, usually they were, uh, they were toward to, like, a Muslim, Muslim community or, like, a, um, I was, well, it's always really scary to me, but th- those hate crime. But then just because, um, this is terrible to say that, because they don't look like me, so I may deep down feel like, oh, it's someone else's story. But then when the the Atlanta mass shooting happened, and I, I just realized, you know what, it doesn't matter, like, uh, what art I make or like uh, who I am, what name I have, who my, like who my parents are, my, like uh, it doesn't matter how cute my kid is, like uh, my faith will got got me killed. Mm. And when like a hate crime happened, like the, the, the person with a gun will not go check on your 
passport. Doesn't matter if you are Chinese from China or you're Chinese born American, you're Korean from South Korea. Doesn't matter. Like you, your face will get you killed. Just like if you wear a turban. That that concept just like a, it became super super um, all reveals and it's so big. It's so clear to me, and I I certainly feel yeah. That is a real fear.、Mm. I remember the day I ran news, and I had to go to、um, Pullman Building Supply to buy some like, and I thought someone could just come in and shoot me,、mm. just because how I look. It doesn't matter who I am, yeah. right? Yeah. So I started the, the、uh, stop API hate on the Plus Rally. That was you. That was me with Doctor、uh, Yongkin Lee. Yunkinli, thank、yeah. you so much, May, for doing that. Thank you. That was really bold and quick. I remember seeing that on social media and in the paper, and I really appreciated that. And the community really came out in support. Yes, that was like three hundred people. I was shocked. That was my first rally, I would say. So yeah, so stop API on the Plus was my first rally, and I organized it with Yunkin and Song Yang. And they're amazing people, and so sad they have to go back to China, even though they're South Koreans. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note,、uh, I wanted to ask you about the model minority myth.、Mm. Are you aware of this? Oh yeah, yeah. And how have you benefited from it, and what are your thoughts about it now? Oh,、um, so my uncle.、Um, My dad's brother, older brother, and he went to the U.S. in in eighties, and then、um, he went here for Ph.D. and then he got his Ph.D. and he got a great job here, and he is the textbook model minority, right? And he、um, <laughs> he would tell me that okay, that's the life of Asian American. You work hard and you get a big house, you get a better life, and and everyone would would respect you. But then, at the same time, I I quit to argue with him. But I would say like, oh, I don't believe this because look, there's some like hardworking. A Korean woman got killed just because how she looked,、mm. right?、Um, and at the same time, of course, like uh, uh, you know, racism. If you are a Chinese kid, if you are Asian American person in the U.S., go to public school or any school, and then you face like macro aggression every single day, that will be、uh, in some weird way. And、uh, racism is real. It, it doesn't matter how much your salary is. You know, like a let's say, if you are like someone makes so much money and with this big house, but you will still be like, okay, nobody look like me on TV,、mm. right? I don't know. There are so much things people have to face. It's not related with your your income.、Mm-hmm. It's not related with your social status. In fact, in fact, I think all all Asian Americans. Because of racism, we have to face. Because ignorance, we have to face. Because of the we we are for some reason modern minorities, and we got more ignorance. We got ignored more. We got forgotten. Nobody can pronounce my name correctly, right? <laughs> yes,、yeah, stuff like that happened to us. Like that's actually a great proof of 
the the we are for some reason secondary citizens.、Mm. Thank you, May, so much for this conversation. Cool. Thank、yeah. you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Our guest was May Lin, artist illustrator living in Pullman, Washington. Her works are vibrant, and I hope you found the conversation the same. Thanks for listening to Traverse Talks. I'm Sue Ann Ramella.